For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And in praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows that what your need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive men, their trespasses. Your heavenly Father also will forgive you, but if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Amen and amen. Today starts a two-part series on the topic of prayer. Today, how are we to ask? Next week's sermon, How God Answers. And I hope that this will prove helpful to all of us, because prayer, you see, is a big problem. Maybe it's not to you, but it sure is to me. And I read the other day, the individual who doesn't have problems with his prayer life really does not understand the power of prayer. How do you make prayer something more than a form and a farce and make it a force in your life? I hope we're going to be able to help all of us. Prayer, you see, is very difficult. Very, very difficult, and no matter how long you have prayed and how long you will pray, never will you be able to understand all of the mysteries and all the intricacies of prayer. Very difficult. You know, our Lord helped his disciples to pray. And our disciples knew of the problems of prayer. Jesus told them to go out and make disciples of all nations, but do you realize they never asked Jesus how to preach? Our Lord never taught a homiletical class. They told, or Jesus told them that they should go out and build up the church. And you know, they never asked Jesus how you build a church. They were to go out and heal and become Miracle workers, but you know, those disciples, they never once asked Jesus, how do you perform a miracle? But they did come and plead with him, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is difficult. Prayer is very difficult. It's difficult because there are so many component parts. Those who study this sort of thing and who are authorities on the subject of prayer say there are at least six, you know, different types of prayer. And a good prayer should hold all six types. First, they say there's to be adoration. Second, there must be thanksgiving. Third, confession. Fourth, petition. Fifth, intercession. And sixth, ascription which is a big word of saying, a big way of saying that you, you are to pray in the name of and in the spirit of Jesus. 
Adoration is a little difficult for me because even though my business is words, how do you describe the indescribable? Very difficult. I don't have much trouble with confession, and I don't think you do either. All you have to do is think about some of those things you said yesterday, some of the things you did last night, some of the things you didn't do because of the selfish motivation. Thanksgiving? A little hard on a dark day, isn't it? But oh, when the sun's shining, all you have to do is sit down, look around. Oh, are we blessed. Count your many blessings one by one. That's all you have to do, and then say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Intercession? That's a toughie for me. I don't fully understand, but I do it. I do it because Jesus said, pray for one another. And never question the word of Jesus. If he tells you to do it, do it. But petition, that's the one that really fouls us up. That's what we're trying to address today. How do I petition the Lord? How do I ask? How? Four points. One, to be able to pray, one must be aware. Aware. Aware of many different things. Aware that there are such things as invalid prayers. Did you know that? Yeah. Some of your prayers, God just puts a big line through them because they're not prayers. Jesus tells us that if we pray asking forgiveness, that's not a prayer unless we have forgiven our brother who has trespassed against us. If you pray that your enemy will be defeated and lose, sorry, that's an invalid prayer. God won't listen to that. If you are a student and you goof off all semester and you pray before going into the exam that God will miraculously help you pass it, forget it, you're wasting your time. God doesn't answer that and probably you'll fail. If you continue to abuse yourself, your body, with drugs and, and, and all these other evils to the body, and then pray for healing and help. Forget it. There are invalid prayers, and you better be aware of that. You ought to be aware of, of whom it is to whom you are praying. He, he's not your jailer, you know. He's not your parole officer. You're praying to God. You're, you're praying to your Creator. And make sure you get the sequence right. He's the Creator. You're the creation. He's the captain. You're the corporal. He's the leader. We're the followers. He's the potter. We're the clay. Father, who loves us more than even our earthly fathers, Fathers, he loves us more than you love that son or daughter seated beside you. He wants the best for us, and he has great things in store for us. 
we ought to know why it is we're praying. Why do you think we pray? To get something? No. Only a child believes that. We pray that God's kingdom will come, that God's will be done. We're praying as Abraham Lincoln did during those horrible days of the Civil War when somebody said, President, don't you worry whether or not God is on your side. He said, my job is not to see whether or not God is on my side, but whether or not I am on God's side. There's a difference, you see. We're to pray that God will help us to see what he wants us to do. Like Samuel, we are to say, Lord, speak for thy servant heareth, instead of praying as some of us do in the attitude, listen, Lord, for thy servant speaketh. And we've got to be aware of how we pray. How we pray. It takes a concentration. It takes a mind filled with thought. Jesus says, don't, don't throw up empty phrases under the Father. That's not prayer, says Jesus. Just don't keep repeating things. See, he's telling us God's a very busy one. I like... Charles Allen's suggestion, that pastor of the Houston Methodist Church, very large congregation, he says that when he, he is advising people on how to pray, he says, before you go to the throne of grace, sit down and think through what you're going to say. Not only that, take pencil in hand and write out your prayer. Write it out, exactly what you want and what you are expecting. And he said if it takes two or three or four pages, read it and then condense it. And whatever it is, get it under a hundred words. For he said, you know, our Lord taught the disciples how to pray. That's what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer, the ideal prayer. And it's only 66 words long. Kids in the balcony now will be counting to see if I'm right. You watch. Use your mind when you pray. Be concise. Be precise. God's very busy. He has other children to listen to. He doesn't have just time to listen to you and me. After all, when you go in to ask for a raise from the boss, even when you go to your husband or wife or children to their parents, you think through what you're going to say. Just You don't come out and say it. The same with prayer. Be aware that God respects prayers that have some thoughts behind them. Be aware when you pray. Number two, when you pray, you've got to care. Not enough just to be aware, you've got to care. You turn the page in your Bible, you'll find later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks more about prayer, and he says, when you pray, you should ask, seek, knock. He who asks receives, he who seeks will find, he who knocks it will be opened unto you. And then he goes on to say, if any of you have a son, and that son asks for a loaf of bread, you're not going to give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, you're not going to give him a serpent. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father in heaven give to those who ask him? Ask, seek, knock. That's the Jewish way of saying, just don't use your mouth. Ask, yes, but ask plus effort. 
And when you knock, it means persistent. Asking plus effort plus persistence. That's the way that, that you are to pray. Jesus then goes on, you know, in Luke's account and tells about the man who had a visitor come at midnight and his, his cupboard was empty, but he goes next door and he asks his neighbor for bread and the neighbor doesn't want to get out of bed, but, but the man keeps on knocking until he's pounding on the door and because of the persistence, the man gets up out of bed, goes and gives bread to his neighbor who wants to give bread to his brother. That's the way we're to pray. But you say, Dick, wait a second. Does it not say that Jesus tells us that our Father has knowledge of our needs even before we ask Him. That's right. Well, then why pray? If He already knows what I need, why should I care enough to ask and to seek and to knock? It's a good question. It's because God can't give us some things until we ask Him for them. You parents, you know that. You can give your children a lot of things that they don't ask for, clothing, shelter, food, protection. But then there's some things you can't give them until they ask you. An education. You send that kid off to college who hasn't asked to go to college, and you know what? You're wasting everybody's time and your money. You can't give the benefit of your wisdom to a son or daughter who doesn't ask. You try to teach them, give them answers to questions they're not asking, and they're going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. I've sat with too many of you, fathers and mothers, who said, if only they would have asked, I could have saved them so much. If only they would have asked. There are a lot of things a loving parent cannot give to his children until they ask. But when you hurt, and when you care, you'll ask. And that's prayer. Must be aware, must care, have to learn to share. And I'm not talking just about getting people together to pray for a common thing. That's important. We don't do enough of it in the modern-day church. Prayer meeting, almost a thing of the past. But that doesn't mean we've given up prayer. What I'm talking about, to be able to pray effectively, you've got to share your concerns, your wants, your desires, your wishes with other people who pray. Very important. We learn this early in life. I'm one of those individuals who belong to a very exclusive club called the PK Club. You get in by birth. Preacher's kids. I'm one of them. I found out in life that many resent the fact that they've been born in the manse. I never have. I feel it's one of the greatest privileges of my life. But one of the things we did back on Marlborough Street was, as a family, we spent every Friday evening together. Sometimes it was after preparatory service and sometimes after a wedding rehearsal, but Friday night my father and mother got my sister and myself and we spent it together. And I don't think I was much older than eight till I learned the lesson that when my father asked what did I want to do, I could usually manage to get it done several ways. One, I would make the request to him myself as to what we would do for Family Entertainment Friday. And if I really wanted to do something, I'd go and get next to my sister and say, Hey, Nan, 
Why don't you go ask Pop to do that? And if I really, really, really wanted to do something, I brought in the big gun. I got my mother. And she went to my father. And lo and behold, my poor father didn't have a chance when three of us had a shared request. That's the way it happens. You'd be surprised how God answers prayer when I tell you, share with you, just as I have concerning this radio broadcast, and you share with another, and we really care, and we're aware of the power, boy, things happen. I invite you to get into a covenant relationship. You don't have to be next to their body to pray with them. It helps sometimes. But pray together about a common thing. The disciples did, and they turned the world upside down. Fourth, you can't pray unless you dare. Dare. And that's risky business. It means that when you get down on your knees, you come not just to try to get out of something. See, that's when most of us come to pray. John Glenn, when he was astronaut, John Glenn said, most people practice fire engine religion. That is, they come to get out of something, to put a fire out instead of to start a fire. Some people come only because it's the last resort instead of it's of it being the first beginning. They come because they have nowhere else to go. They want to get out of something instead of into something. And that's too bad when we use prayer only for that. I had a friend once who got down before a map every day and said, Lord, it's your world and I'm yours. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? He ended up in the Far East as a missionary. You see, pray, praying is risky, risky business when you pray with a daringness. And that's the way we're to pray. You know, one of the great things that happens to me Sunday after Sunday standing before you is I'm humbled that I'm an instrument of the Almighty, blessed to be so, that I stand before so many people who have been blessed with so many talents. No one of us can even imagine the things that God has in store for us to do for his world. On Sunday mornings, the first hour, when I have no teaching assignment, I go through the church school. Let me say, folks, our church school is in wonderful shape. Those teachers are doing a fantastic job right now with those children back there. But I go through and I sing with the kids and talk with them and shake their hands. You know, it dawned on me this morning as I was going through the second, third, fourth, fifth grade. You know, this morning I just might have shook the hand of a future president of the United States. One of you might be the discoverer of a truth, of a new thing that we can't even imagine. You know, and some of you women, right now, may be carrying in your womb the individual God has chosen to bring about the cure of cancer. That's frightening when you realize that. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what situation you're in today, and I know some of you are going through some deep, deep, deep water. 
I don't care how horrible the situation. Maybe it's something at work. Maybe the marriage is in trouble. Maybe the children don't listen. Maybe the parents don't listen. Maybe you've got a great big decision to make this week that's going to affect hundreds of lives. I don't know. But I'm asking you that when you get down on your knees, don't just say, Lord, you know, help this to go away. But rather, I want you to realize who you are, a creature of the Almighty who has been blessed to help bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. I want you to throw back your shoulders and even though you're down on your knees, you said, Here I am, Lord. Lord, thank you for this problem. Thank you for this trouble. You see, Paul, I got that idea from him. By prayer and supplication, in all things, give thanksgiving unto God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me a mind that is able to comprehend this. Thank you for giving me a faith that is strong enough to overcome even death. Thank you, Lord, for the tools. Thank you for the resources. And Lord, with faith and with doubtingness, I believe we're going to solve it. You lead, Father, and I'll take the courage to follow. And when you pray with dare, the kingdom's on its way. God's will will be done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, teach us to pray. And may the grace, mercy, and peace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore.